Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends and well-wishers. Yes, this is indeed the the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I know the name of my own show, (laughs) dang it. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast, and hoping to sell a piece of art, a uh, haiku he wrote about Tavo Teravainen. Apparently, crypto art is all the rage right now, and Jay Zawoski, he is all over that trend. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's really good to talk to you. I feel like we haven't done a show in a long time, which is like not really true because we've done one semi recently. It just feels I think like we did forever. one on Sunday. Man. Yeah, I it know. Like it just the, the longest five days in history. This, apparently. this has been a very long week. There's no doubt about that. It's my first week back to work. So I think that might be part of it. Why the week is just taking longer. But ugh, man, it just feels like I haven't talked to you forever. So it's good to talk to you. It's good to talk to the Madhouse podcast listeners as always. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. Look for us on Facebook. We've got our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Thread Sports. And, of course, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash madhousepod. Everything Madhouse Podcast lives on madhousepod.com. 
hockeyfanatic.com. So make sure you check that out. We have a ton to get to today. It's not just the Hawks' 4-2 win over the Dallas Stars, but we've got Kirby Dock coming back. We've got a little bit of uh, update on an idea James pitched in the last podcast, and we've got a new TV deal for the NHL. So much to get to, but let's start with the win over the Dallas Stars. Like I said, the Hawks win 4-2 to two over the Dallas Stars despite being outshot 706-6. to six. Um, the Hawks some, somehow win. No, they get goals by Kubelik, Soderberg, Keith, and Debrinkit. They're up 4 nothing, and then Dallas scores two goals in the third to tighten the gap. But the Hawks were outshot 30-16, to had a total of eight shots on goal for the thir- first two periods. It was a very strange game. And while, yes, the Dallas Stars had the edge in play, it didn't feel that far apart, did it? Uh, no, and I think uh, Ben Pope did point this out, that the Blackhawks did have a decent number of uh, shots attempted in the game. The Dallas Stars were just blocking an absolute crap ton of shots tonight. So, yeah, the possession numbers weren't great. I think the Blackhawks ended up getting out seed about 64 to 36 or something like that. So it wasn't a great night possession-wise, but the uh, shot blocking of the Dallas Stars definitely uh, skewed the numbers a little bit. And then obviously, you know, you had a bad night in net when you don't make an even strength save. And I'm fair <laughs> to middle and certain that Anton Q- that Q Dobin did not stop a single shot at even strength tonight. Am I right in that? I believe that's correct. That's uh, not, that's not good, as the uh, they say in the old country. That's that's not what you're looking for. But look, it uh, was uh, not a great effort from the Hawks. It was a gutsy effort from the Hawks, which was sort of good to see because I think the last game, look, this team is going to be overmatched a lot of nights in terms of talent and in terms of other things. But I feel like the last game, there wasn't a lot of fight in the Hawks, right? They just kind of no. laid down and took it. Uh, tonight, despite being outplayed, they really sort of willed themselves to victory. And uh, look, Hudobin was bad. There's no doubt about that. That played a role too. But you score two power play goals. And how many times have you and I said it? If you're not playing well or you're overmatched talent-wise, a successful special team can be the difference maker. Hawks scored two power play goals. How many goals did they win by, James? They, they won by two goals, Jay Zawaski. Interesting. Interesting how that works. And I'm going to say that there were so many, there were a few good things that we can focus on in this game. And I do think the power play was one of them. I thought the Blackhawks uh, had a really solid plan. It looked like on the power play tonight. I really liked the work that Carl Soderberg was doing in front of the net. I think he had a deflection on an Adam Boquist shot on the first power play goal and then was planted right in front of the net when Alex DeBrincat scored his second, uh, the, the second goal. Sorry, just an absolute snipe job from Debrinket, his 15th of the season. That dude's on pace to score 30 goals in 56 games. That's uh, that's pretty good, I'm going to say. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yes, you're on it. You're on it. By the way, uh, another guy who, who should be mentioned real quick, two assists for Adam Boquist, 12 points in 17 games for him. It's, I'm telling you, man, you go on that COVID list, you come back with superpowers. I think the Blackhawks are starting to learn that. Yeah, and, and you know, Boquist, to bring it, I don't want to stop on him because there were several moments in this game where he just blew past Dallas Stars defenders. There was a moment in the first where he got so open so quick that I don't think anyone, I don't even think he knew really what to do. He's like, well, right. look, <laughs> look how fast I am. Well, what he, what do I do with the speed? 
<laughs> he clearly was pissing him off because Haskinen committed a penalty later in the game, which was just a really dumb interference penalty. He was like, I am not getting beaten into that corner again. I am not going to let you go and retrieve the puck on that dump in. I am going to take a two-minute seat just to make sure that you don't make me look bad again. It was really hilarious watching the uh, Dallas Stars shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly during the, se the second period of the game especially. And the pace of Alex Dabrinkit did have a bit to do with that just because the Stars had no answers for him tonight. Yeah, and by the way, I want to see if you noticed this too. And maybe I was just looking for it a little bit, but did you notice that the Stars were putting a little extra stank on it when they were hitting Matthias Janmark? They really, they were really going after him. I had noticed him and they Murphy. were going after Connor Murphy. They were going after hard. Murphy had another uh, kind of borderline hit tonight, so that may have been part of the reason why that happened. Yeah, that could be. But I, I wonder. I, I don't want to. I'm not going to make anything out of it. But I just did notice it. No, let's make something out <laughs> of it. Let's start beef. The Dallas Stars hate their former teammate Matthias Janmark. Why? I mean, what did what could a guy like Matthias Yanmark possibly do to them? Just he's be, not like Alex Burrows or Rafi Torres, for God's sake. No, I don't think so. I, I I just noticed, like, wow, they seem to be. Maybe it just worked out where he just took a bunch of hits. But I guess when you're a guy that goes in corners, it's going to happen more often. So what kind of name is Matthias? Bam. <laughs> that's a little bit. That's not good. You're implying some things there that I once again James Navo at. Uh, you can reach him just like Troy Murray did. Uh, so listen, Mr. <laughs> Bus Tosser, did you point it. that out to Troy no. or did he hear he, that organically? Out of the blue, he texted me. And I later asked him, like, do you actually listen or did someone tell you? He's like, no, someone told me. But he had the specifics, man. He said, tell James I'm coming after him. He knew. Uh, <laughs> really funny. I yes, because I was so, like, <laughs> vehement in my criticism of a Troy Mur Murray. You know, I just, I hate that guy totally. Yeah, he You're going to make that a new drop on the podcast, by the way. He said, I'm coming after James. Lucky you stuck up for me. I hope all is well. And then yeah, I he's said. Yeah, gonna, he's going to cross-check me or something. <laughs> and all because I'm correct, which is the... That's the thing that I can kind of hang my hat on is that I'm right. I know how to define a 500 hockey team. And I disagree with Troy on this fact. There's not much I disagree with him on. I really like him. I just think he's wrong about that. Is well, the, that so wrong? No, I don't think the, the truth is. of the matter, too, is I listen back to the podcast, as I, I always do, so I can self-scout and realize how bad I am at my job. Um, I noticed that I actually ended up agreeing with you, too. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> so I I'm did glad you admitted you. that to the people. I didn't want to be the one who brought it up. <laughs> no, yeah. So I don't think Troy. If Troy kills you, I will. I will be there with you, taking the beating from him as well. Um, okay, a couple other guys I want to mention in this game. Nice to see Kevin Lincoln bounce back with a strong performance. Didn't like Hintz's goal, uh, but it's late, kind of a garbage, not garbage time. We're still nine and a half left in the game or so. Um, but aside from that, he was outstanding. Really strong in his net, really strong positionally. That's the Lincoln that we saw all year. He was named the game's number one star. I think that's probably appropriate if you're not going to give it to DeBrinket. Um, and uh, Brandon Hagel in the third period, Dallas had scored their second goal. There was about five and a half minutes left in the third. An odd man break was developing, and Hagel got on his horse and just back. It was, it was sort of a small thing. They didn't even really mention it on the broadcast. But Hagel's on his horse, flying as fast as he can back into the Hawks' defensive zone and just, boom, kind of bops the stick of the Stars player, breaking up a, a potential two-on-one. Those little things, man, those add up, and those can be the difference. If Dallas scores on that play, 
It's 4-3. It's a totally different ballgame. 4-3 with five and a half minutes to go. That's that's tough. That's all the momentum in Dallas's favor. So little plays like that can make all the difference. And one more I wanted to mention too. Uh, Adam Boquist in the second period. Hawks are on the power play. Give the puck away in their zone. Boquist breaks up a pass that would have led to an odd man rush for Dallas. He's starting to make those little defensive plays too. And while the defensive game still has a ways to go to catch up to his offensive game, that gap is closing. And I, I've been really pleased with what we've seen from Adam Bookwis since his return. Again, two assists in this game. I have not even looked up his uh, metrics, and I know if I do, I'll be probably embarrassed. No, he was actually pretty good. He was, for, in all things considered, 42.86% Corsi. That's a 952 uh, Corsi for relative, so better than the average of the team. So uh, solid game for him. And I really like what he's been showing lately for the Hawks. Yeah, if you wanted to uh, use Corsi to potentially deflate one of your arguments, Brandon Hagel was a twenty uh, percent tonight. So if you if you want to selectively pick out Corsi to potentially make yourself look bad, I would uh, go in that direction. Yeah, you know, but... it's just you know there were just so many instances of Hagel. Even there were a couple times where he tried to stop an icing and just didn't do it. But he is that guy is a hundred percent motor all the time. And that's very know. Andrew Shaw like and I know we keep saying it and I'm sure people are tired of that comparison, but they, it's hard to come up with a better comp than that for him. I just need to see him put the puck in the net. He had a he uh, had a he had a great scoring chance tonight and he did not put a good shot on no, it. Put was, it um, right in the goalie's chest, but he's got seven. Slight, assists. Slight, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to knock the guy. He does have seven helpers, and we've talked about his passing being a really good thing. And, I mean, if you're going to aggressively go get the puck in the corners and in the middle of the ice like he does, if you can pass, too, that is a really dangerous weapon. And I, That's one that kind of uh, gets overlooked a little bit when you look at all the other stuff that Brandon Hagel does well. He's a solid passer, man, and if he can combine that with speed, that is a – tremendous weapon for the Blackhawks. Well, who stood out for you tonight? It's, you know, I mentioned a few guys. I want to see who you have on your list. I did. I, I was going to mention uh, Boquist as well. Obviously, the two assists, you're never going to you know, fault a guy, an offensive-minded guy, for getting two assists in a game. I really liked what he did there. He also had three block shots, something that's been driving me absolutely insane about the Blackhawks lately, especially on the penalty kill, is they have just been completely unwilling to get into shooting lanes and to block shots. They're kind of doing this little ole thing. I don't know if it's because Calvin DeHaan almost got liquid by a shot a few games ago or what it is, but the Blackhawks have just been very uh, scared to do that, and tonight you had DeHaan and Connor Murphy both had five block shots. Adam Boquist had three, so hopefully showing a little bit of a grit and grind there. I think you do want those guys blocking shots and keeping some stuff away from Kevin Lankinen, so Really good to see that. And then I know I mentioned him earlier, but Carl Soderberg is continuing, I think, to make some really good progress for the Blackhawks. He had a goal, obviously, tonight, had a couple of shots. He, too, had three block shots, and he had three hits in the game, just making an impact all over the ice. I know a lot of people on Twitter uh, were kind of bringing up the same topic over and over again about whether or not it was actually going to be a good idea to trade him at the deadline, even though he is an expiring deal and could be a really intriguing piece for a team that's looking for kind of a second or third line center to kind of play that role for them uh, going down the stretch. 
I'm still not quite there yet in terms of, oh, you can't have my Carl Soderberg. He's a critical veteran presence on a potential playoff team, but I'll be damned if that dude has not come back from a little bit of a sluggish start. That dude has absolutely roared back, and there is a reason why he's getting significant playing time on the power play, shorthanded and at even strength. That dude is doing a lot of things well right now, and I've got to give him uh, praise for the way that he played tonight. Yeah, he's been solid in, the, in that presence in front of the net. Uh, not be, I really like the way Jamal Mayers described screening a goalie. He said, basically, you just play goalie. Right, just try to square yourself to the puck, get in front, and get a nice clean angle at it because you know that's what the goalie behind you is trying to do as well. That's mm-hmm. the, it's like the simplest way to you know. There's like sometimes you hear something and it just makes it click. That to me, if I was a guy whose job it was to be in front of that, just play goalie. I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I know here's you know just the sort of angle to take, and I don't know. I thought that was an interesting way to describe it. But Soderberg's been really really solid at that, and they knew that's what they were getting when they signed him. He's done that throughout his career. Right. Um, your comment on the trade thing leads us to our next little segment here. But first, I want to tell our friends about Dr. Squatch, natural soap company. I've been talking to you guys. We've been talking to you guys about Dr. Squatch for over almost a year now. What, maybe May or so we got into Dr. Squatch? And uh, it's been a love affair ever since. And our listeners have really jumped on and uh, really seem to enjoy Dr. Squatch as well. And if you haven't tried it, you will love it too. What is Dr. Squatch? Good question. Uh, their bread and butter is uh, is natural handmade bricks of soap. They're absolutely unbelievable. All natural, made in the USA, all different textures, all different scents, all different uh, exfoliation levels. I love everything they have to offer, but my favorites are the Cool Fresh Aloe and the Cold Brew Cleanse. Those are my two favorite ones. Go to drsquatch.com. Check out what they have to offer, but it's not just soap. They've got shampoo, they've got conditioner, they've got toothpaste, they've got beard oil, they've got deodorant. I love the deodorant, absolutely love it. it smells so good, the Bay Rum and the Birchwood Breeze just smell great all day long. If it's for your body and it makes you smell good and makes you feel good, Dr. Squatch has it. So go to drsquatch.com. When you're ready to check out, use that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save on your order while supporting the podcast at the same time. Again, drsquatch.com. Use that promo code MADHOUSE20. All right, so last podcast, James, you sort of reestablished an idea you had um, that you presented during our Hot Mic broadcast, and it was basically, with all this cap space, the Blackhawks are in a unique position where they can, air quotes, help out a contender by taking on a big contract that's expiring so teams can make trades they want to make. Very often in the past, the Hawks have had to be be on the other end of that trade where they would say, Hey, you got to take this contract, but if you do, we'll give you a pretty good prospect for you taking this off our hands. Mm-hmm. After you said that I reached out to one of my top sources and they flat out told me that's why we are saving the cap space. We have that, <laughs> is, that is their plan. The plan is to take on some bad contracts in hopes of saying, all right, you've got this, you know, four and a half million dollar contract that's kind of holding you up for making a trade you really want to make. Give us the contract. We'll take it on for the next, you know, for the rest of the season. But you're giving us this prospect we really like, or you're giving us a draft pick too. And they're they're working from a place of power. Now, that said, 
no one knows what the trade deadline this season is going to look like. We don't know how active it's going to be. We don't know if teams are going to be wanting to make trades or not. The uncertainty of the of the cap and everything, it, all of it. It's it, it might make for a weird inactive trade deadline, or it could be a totally normal trade deadline where moves are happening all the time. But I'm just telling you, James, your idea was right on. I was told directly from a source that that is indeed their plan and they're stockpiling cap space for that reason. Mm -hmm. When I tweeted that out, a very good question said, isn't that incongruous with the development plan? And I could see why you'd say that, right? If you're going to take on a bad contract, but you know, Joe blow makes four and a half million dollars and he's 33 years old. Well, he's on your team. You're going to play him, right? Sure. But if you're getting assets back, yeah, maybe you sit down a Matthew Highmore or somebody else uh, to play this veteran, but long-term you're adding assets to help you down the road. So it's it's sort of a different approach to the same outcome. Plus, mm-hmm. keep in mind, like you said, James, I know I'm talking a lot here. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that they, st- that, that they wouldn't trade Soderberg or wouldn't trade Yanmark either, right? So, you know, maybe a team has... 500k in cap space and and they really want Soderberg so the Hawks will take some you know what I mean there's there's lots of ways to make this work so the Hawks are planning on maybe taking on a higher salary expiring contract or two to help get some assets in the future I will admit I've uh, fallen down on the job a little bit I haven't really been looking into uh, guys that could potentially fit that bill for the Blackhawks but I have obviously looked at the amount of cap space that they have created based on the fact they have so many guys on long-term injured reserve right now. And obviously, if Kirby Dot, if and when Kirby Dot comes back, it lowers it a little bit. The Blackhawks still by far have the most current available cap space right now. And I think that the ability to allow a team to kind of jump the market if they want to, if a team like Buffalo decides that they want to offload contracts or some, you know, a team like that, you know, goes in that direction right now, you, you have that opportunity for the Blackhawks to jump in and say, hey, guys, we, we'll do you a favor. If you really want to go out and acquire a guy from the Buffalo Sabres, we'll take on a bad contract from you so you can really go, you know, have your pick of the litter in terms of their roster. And the Blackhawks right now have more than $22 million in available cap space, which, like I said, is the most in the NHL. They're one of only five teams in the league that have more than $8 million in available salary cap space right now. And a lot of teams that are kind of in the upper echelon of the standings are going to be in that kind of ballpark of not having very much uh, space to work with your Tampa Bay Lightnings, your Washington Capitals, your Toronto Maple Leafs. They all have scant cap space. And if they really want to add somebody at the deadline, they're really going to have to kind of finagle it and to potentially get rid of a bad contract or two. The Blackhawks could welcome those in with open arms and it's just common sense to make that room as early as possible so that you kind of put yourself on the radar of teams who need to shed that cap space and then in the end if you're able to do it for a little bit longer than another team maybe you get a slightly better asset out of it I think that the Blackhawks are going to have a really interesting time negotiating with teams if that's what they end up deciding to do and you mentioned the idea of obviously young players kind of losing out on playing time to these older guys that come in 
that might be a good thing because you look at the way this season is structured and how it's just basically a sprint from start to finish. They still have 28 games left, and they have less than two months to play those games. There are going to be a lot of opportunities to potentially rest some of these young guys who maybe aren't necessarily equipped to handle the burdens of what's a, what's the equivalent then of obviously a full NHL season just kind of condensed into this time frame. Maybe you give those guys a breather. Maybe you're able to give Calvin DeHaan a night off every once in a while. I know that obviously he just had a couple games off due to injury, but he's also a guy who has shown he plays three games in four days. He tends to struggle a little bit. So it could be a benefit to the Blackhawks in more ways than one if they do want to do that. And I did feel a sense of validation when you uh, Mm -hmm. brought up what your source had said and occasionally I sort of know what I'm talking about just a little bit just a little bit that's a little bit all right let's let's just play a game give me a contender name me a contender just uh vomit one out Minnesota Wild all right let's go to the Minnesota Wild they currently have seven hundred and seven thousand dollars in cap space all right so if they want to get better they've got a 32 year old Nick Bonino Making four point one million dollars, he's an unrestricted free agent after this. Not year. Nick Bongino, by the way. No, they've got Nick Bugstad, twenty eight years old, making just over two million. Okay, so there's two unrestricted free agents with deals coming up. Ian Cole, that's a great name. Three point four five million, thirty two years old, unrestricted after the season. Now these are all good players, right? There's no doubt that like all these guys are guys that are going to play for these teams. But if one of them is eyeing a legitimate big move. And they need to move out two, three million bucks. The Hawks are right there, right? And maybe the Hawks say, all right, you want to do that? Well, give us a second round pick too. Or give us this prospect we really like or whatever. It, it, the, and look, it doesn't necessarily have to be an expiring contract. If there's a contender that wants to pick up a stud at the deadline, a six, seven million dollar player, and they need that cap space, that puts the Hawks in a unique position to say, Maybe we like this 26-year-old guy who's got three years left as part of our future. There's mm-hmm. so many possibilities the Hawks have here. So keep an eye on that. That, to me, is the thing we're going to be really watching for as the season uh, starts to wrap up and as the trade deadline approaches. So uh, I, I, you picked a good team with some good examples on there. Uh, that's <laughs> for sure. I was looking also at the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and like Alec Martinez is a good yep. player for them. But he's Can an- you imagine the... Uh, shit fire fest that would happen if they acquired him. Fans would be like, ah, 2014, you son of a... Yeah, his, yeah. people just freaking out. Or, or they could acquire Nicoletti's ass. Not him, just the ass. Just just, just, just the, I wonder, separately. I wonder what the uh, cap breakdown on that would be. <laughs> would it be like body weight percentage? You just had to do the math, you know, and I'm not a math guy, as you know. Um, no. So, yeah, so I, I wanted to make sure we got to that early because... Uh, a, you nailed it. You were right on it. And I, I had never seen such a definitive response. They're like, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> so that's great, man. That That's awesome. And uh, your brain went there. Mine had not even considered that. So uh, very, very cool that you did that. All right. So let's take a break. We come back. We're going to talk about the new ESPN deal. But first, a very noteworthy player has resumed skating and practicing and traveling With the Blackhawks, I think you know who it is, but if you don't, we'll fill you in next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. 
We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. Our friends at Marishka's are out there in Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. They are family-owned and operated since 1933. And you can tell. You go into Marishka's, it is a family-run place, run with love for generations. The food hasn't changed. The restaurant hasn't changed much. It's just an incredible place to go and uh, bring your family Bring your friends. You will not regret it. It is a place you'll uh, will become a regular if you've never been before. It's legendary out there in the uh, southwest burbs. And uh, if you go, you'll understand why. The poor boys, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the double baked potato, the onion rings, everything at Marishka's is absolutely delicious. Handmade from scratch. Just some of the best food you've ever had. So go visit our friends out there in Crest Hill, the Zadralovich family, 604 Theater Street, Go to marishkas.com or visit facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go there and tell them that the Madhouse Podcast sent you and that they love you and that you love them. All right. So the big news, sort of unexpected, came out earlier this week. Kirby Doc taking the ice for practice, looking good, stick handling, traveling with the team and before we get too too excited they keep using the term a ways away right that's kind of the the fallback verbiage they've been using but if he's traveling with the team and he's stick handling in practice he's a hell of a lot closer than we thought he was a week ago yeah and I mean we've obviously talked a lot about uh what he's what's going to be required of him to kind of make his way back and that does include building up the strength in his wrist and very clearly if they have him stick handling and they have him out there for you know more than just like a drill or two they're very like confident in where he is in his recovery and I know that they're kind of sticking to that late April timeline I think is kind of where they're still at but if he can get back any sooner than that that essentially functions as a trade deadline acquisition that you don't have to give up any capital for other than salary cap space right like that's to me, that is the best of both worlds. You get a young guy back. Ideally, you're still in the middle of a playoff race at that point, and it just would be so awesome to see him back out on the ice. And it was so surprising and so, I guess, so pleasantly surprising to uh, hear that he was back out on the ice this week, even though the Blackhawks are still being very, very cautious with him. I don't think there is any need to rush him back. I'm sure the Blackhawks would love to have his center depth uh, back in the rotation just based on some of the injuries that they've had to go through. But that would just be a huge shot in the arm to a team that uh, could really use that help, I think, as they continue to move through a tough stretch of their schedule. I've just found myself, and we've talked about this on the podcast many, many times, as this team continues to surprise us in different and exciting ways every night, just daydreaming of this roster with Doc and also with Jonathan Taves is is something that causes a lot of excitement. And um, not only do we see the return of Kirby Doc, we saw Jonathan Taves for the first time in a really long time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were sort of 
trying to medically dissect everything they saw in that Jonathan Tay's video. Does he look skinny? Does he look pale? Are his eyebrows thin? All these <laughs> Twitter doctors. It's like, look, he's there. He looks healthy. He said, I'll see you soon, which, you know, that could just be nervous chatter, but it was good to see Jonathan Taves. And I think, again, this is just me speculating. I know nothing. We're keeping nothing from you guys. I swear. I swear to it. There's nothing I know that that we're not telling you. Um, but the fact that he was made, you know, to be seen, I think indicates something good more than something bad. Right. Hope so. I think I think it says, hey, look, he's ready to be seen. He's ready to talk. It really troubled me when he was not there for the opening game. That really that was the first time, aside from the, like, the initial announcement, where I was like, whoa, he's not even at the opening game, like in a in a skybox or on the bench waving. Like he's just not even there, and that that really spooked me. So to see him make the video for Patrick Kane and and look good and look, you know, I don't know. Everyone looks like crap on an iPhone video. <laughs> I, I would, he looked a lot better when they put it on TV. I, I thought he looked better on the TV broadcast than he did on Twitter. I think the uh, video quality might have had something to do with it. Yeah, that. definitely. So uh, it was just good to see him again. And, and the responses to the tweet were just Hawks fans, you know, with the crying emoji and the and the gifts and everything. And, you know, please come back. We miss you. It was, it was kind of cool to see. And I think we're having a week here with you know Patrick Kane reaching a thousand games and Brent Seabrook retiring and Jonathan Taves popping up for the first time in forever it's been kind of an emotional roller coaster for Hawks fans this week and and that that Jonathan Taves video was a cherry on top and then how about the Hosa video and the Dominic Hoshik video that was awesome I'm like who's this old man <laughs> like it's Dominic Hoshik oh my god the sands of time come for us all and he gave the like really cheesy thumbs up at the end but it was it was funny it was it was cool and Hosa saying um you know it's been really cool to watch you become this two-way player and then kind of jabs at him like I never thought I would say that or I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> seeing it it was it, it was just a cool I don't know it's too bad that game sucked as bad as it did because it right. should have been a really great night. But, man, just to see, it has been an emotional week for Hawks fans. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's obviously with the retirement of Brent Seabrook and then with the thousandth game of Patrick Kane, again, it just is another example of time basically coming for us all. I know we mentioned on our last uh, broadcast that the uh, the tribute that they were running on NBCSN for Patrick Kane where all the young players like Matthew Kachuk were, we loved you growing up, Kaner, and it's just me slamming my head into a desk repeatedly <laughs> the entire time as we watch that because it's just, I'm so old, this is the worst. And then the Dominic Hasek thing reminded me of talking about with Russ Dorsey about our favorite non-Blackhawks players of all time yeah, and how, how I got into hockey largely was ESPN broadcasting a crap ton of Buffalo Sabres games with Dominic Hasek and Nett. And speaking of ESPN, mm -hmm. Jay Zawoski, there's another thing, another big thing that we have to talk about. And that's the new TV rights deal that the NHL has agreed to with the worldwide leader. I'm really excited about this. And uh, here's the official press release from ESPN. Uh, NHL hockey games will return to ESPN starting with the 2021-22 season. 
ESPN and the NHL announced a seven-year deal on Wednesday, returning hockey to ESPN for the first time since 2004. Included will be 25 regular season games on ESPN or ABC, early round playoff series, and one conference final each year, four Stanley Cup final series on ABC, and more than 1,000 games per season streaming on ESPN+. ESPN Plus and Hulu will become home to 75 ESPN-produced exclusive telecasts per season. The deal also includes opening night games, the NHL All-Star Game and Skills Challenge, and other special events. The NHL's out-of-market streaming package, NHL TV, is also moving to ESPN Plus as part of its subscription offerings. So you no longer will have to pay for NHL TV and ESPN Plus separately. You'll just have to pay your ESPN Plus subscription, something I've obviously been doing for quite a while. That was mind-melting to me when I saw that, that the NHL was kicking its uh, long-time uh, streaming service to the curb. I honestly, having had all but basically the NFL uh, streaming packages in my life, I have to say NHL TV has held up really well in terms of quality. I was slightly surprised to see that they were – uh, going in that direction, but I'm not going to complain about it, and neither is my wallet. No, it, it's way cheaper, way cheaper, and way better. You know, I'm 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 really way, excited way more about offerings, it. obviously. Definitely, I want to see if I can get this Did, to work. Do, I want to see if I can play work? the ESPN theme. Yeah, yeah, it's back. And they said they were bringing the theme back, which I love because you have that to. is. That's like that's on the Mount Rushmore of sports theme songs, right? That is so good. Let's bask. Ooh, guitar solo. Yep. Oh, it's no word on whether or not they're bringing back Gary Thorne, by the way. You know who I'm happiest for? Barry Melrose. John Bouchagross. I was going to say Linda Cohn for me, but I completely agree with you on that front. That dude is just such a hockey nutball. Like, he he just loves it. Like, he is a, a true hockey ambassador. The whole college hockey thing he's been doing for years, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. But, yeah, there are a lot of, like, Steve Levy's another one. There's a lot of huge, legit hockey fans on that network, and I'm happy for him. I, it, this is good for the sport. And, and this has been the complaint I've had is you can kind of parallel the decline in hockey's popularity with the loss of games on ESPN. I mean, that's... I, I would like to point out the irony of the fact that the last time ESPN broadcast a game was 2004, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. I believe Daryl Sutter was the head coach of the Flames at that point, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. And guess who's the head coach of the Calgary Flames now? Daryl Sutter. There it is. Yeah, it's uh, slightly wild how everything just times a flat circle, as Matthew McConaughey once uh, so adequately said. I do have one slight concern, but it could be addressed with the other network that gets involved in rights. Because, by the way, the rights, it seems like the NHL is splitting the rights in this deal leaving the door open for a company like NBC or potentially another company to jump in and grab the rest of it. I'm I don't know how I feel about them only broadcasting 25 games a season on ESPN or ABC. I know I know that sounds obviously like a lot, but when you kind of put that to the NHL calendar, 
that's less than a game a week during the regular season. I'm kind of um, – obviously, I know a lot of people are going towards streaming. ESPN has a lot of properties. I hope that the other partner that they bring in is going to nationally broadcast more games than that for those people who still largely consume their uh, sports content through cable uh, – sport. obviously, cable sports networks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this is rolled out. I'm curious about it, too, because – you're right. Twenty five in a season is not a lot. I mean, on NBC, you're getting more than NBC Sports Night. You're getting at least what two or three a week. Then you've got the after football ends. You've got one on the weekend. So it's significantly more on on NBC. But I think the value for the league is so much higher, mm-hmm. even though it's fewer games. And I'm curious how ESPN Plus does as an app. I know a lot of people sign up for it that love soccer because it's a good way to watch soccer, like international soccer games. It's also the only way to buy UFC fights, too. Yeah, so I think, you know, people are cutting the cord more, and which is ironic because I finally was like, screw it, I'm just getting Xfinity because I can't be chasing marquee sports all the time Yep. because I need it for my job. I have to have have Cub games in my life or I will be fired. So (laughs) chasing that around was like, screw it. I'm just paying for Xfinity. That's it. I'm done with it. Well, I know, but it's just it's frustrating. It's you're you're trying to save money. You're trying to find a different way. And it just it becomes very, very difficult to do. So uh, this is really good news for the league. Really good news for hockey fans. And and I think it's good for the growth of the game because it's going to get what it means is ESPN will put hockey on sports center and they'll talk about it on their talking head shows and that's yep. going to make a difference that's huge for the growth of the game i'm also really curious to see if nbc does re-up i know obviously nbcsn is going away later this year i'm not sure i they planned on having games on usa network potentially i know obviously nbc also has the streaming service peacock i would imagine that that's kind of out the window now if uh all the games are going to be available on espn plus i'm just i'm very curious to see how the right structure looks and it does seem like a couple of stanley cup finals are going to be available for whatever other network joins on could you potentially see the NHL move to CBS? I know that that's something I've seen floated out there. If NBC isn't going to aggressively go after the remainder of the rights deal, we could see a huge seismic shift in the availability of hockey games on TV and on streaming platforms. And wouldn't you just kill to have Jim Nance call a Stanley Cup final? That would be really (laughs) interesting. Hello, friends. We're at Madison Square Garden. And Artemi Panarin just scored four goals on the Blackhawks, making Jay look stupid for another year. <laughs> and that's literally all he would say. Just every everything that happens is in order to make Jay Zawaski <laughs> look incredibly stupid. This thing happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it'd be easy. It would happen very, very often. I, um, I oh, by the way, we should say cl- that. Stop it. I know we should clear up too. If you're in Chicago, Hawks games will still be on NBC Sports Chicago. To the best of our knowledge. As far as we know right now, those things can always change, but safe to assume that local games will still be part of, uh, you may have heard the term RSN. If you don't know what that means, regional sports network, that's exactly what NBC Sports Chicago and ESPN, and NBC Sports Chicago Plus are. Those are RSNs in the Chicago market. All right. We had heard rumblings they were going to get rid of blackout restrictions, which would be be extremely interesting if they did that. Well, then then you wouldn't have a need for RSNs. Yeah. But then that means a lot of people are laid off, and that's not good. 
No, not good at all. And you don't I have your the, local broadcasters. I, I think the blackouts, obviously, if you got rid of those, it would impact the RSN in terms of its streaming audience. But there's still only one way to see it on terrestrial cable and to watch it on TV, obviously, and that would be the RSN. I obviously would think that they would probably renegotiate that deal and be like, hey, wait a minute. If we don't have that exclusivity, why are we going to give you X amount of money? So that that I think may have been something that, you know, somebody threw out as wishful thinking. But it is also worth keeping an eye on to see what the NHL does, because I know the bane of everyone's existence is blackout restrictions. And I'm very curious to see how the NHL approaches that. Me too. I don't know where that sound came from that you just heard, so I'm going to close all my windows. <laughs> that was very strange. <laughs> um, sorry, everybody. Um, all right, before we wrap up, we want to send a note of congrats to our friends at Fry the Coop. They opened up their Tinley Park location. It is open. That Did is you the best the news ever. Instagram oh my God. post of the line that was there. You're God dang right I saw it. Of course I did. Good grief. My wife showed it to me and was said to me, we're probably going to have to wait a couple of weeks before we go to Fry the Coop. And I said, heck, if we, even if we waited five days, we would ultimately be waiting two weeks for chicken. <laughs> well, here's the I trick. I'm a funny man. You could just drive an extra couple miles and go to the Oakland location. Those There's suckers. plenty of location. If you don't want to wait in line at Tinley, because those lines are long. And we're going to give a celebratory. <laughs> to Joe Fontana and everybody at Fry the Coop. Congrats on Tinley Park. Cannot wait to get out there. But Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, you're already set up with Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com. Find the location nearest you. Place your order online. Get in your car. Go get it. Go home. Eat it. Be happy. Rinse, repeat for the rest of your life, and you will be a happy, happy, but maybe a little bit fat person because that is the best damn Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. That donut chicken sandwich is something to die for. Uh, man, I am so happy to have Fry the Coop so close to my house. It's a little bit dangerous, but I think I'm going to be good and disciplined and only have it three times a week. I think I can do that. <laughs> so go visit Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Congrats to Joe and his staff at Fry the Coop. Very good news for them. I know that's been something they've been wanting to get done for a long time, and it is done. So great, 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 awesome news. So happy to be partnered with a business like Fry the Coop. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be back with you very, very soon. I know, James, you're going out of town. Is that correct? I am going to be in Arizona for the weekend. All right. Well, if anything crazy happens, I will jump on and do a podcast myself. I might do a post game by myself. It all depends on how bored I am this weekend, and I am pretty bored. So thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. James, have a good, safe trip. We'll talk to you next week. Have a safe, great weekend, everybody. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.